Hey, good morning, OFA. We are here in Haifa, Israel for a service on Shabbat Shalom, the day of peace and celebration. Uh, it's, it's so good to join you through video. I know you're going to have a great day this morning as Pastor Russell brings the word. We're so excited to be in Israel. It's actually Saturday morning here. So this happened a day and a half ago for you guys, but we want to greet you today. Have a great day and look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Well, good morning. That was Pastor Bruce, our wonderful lead pastor, and he and about 20 others or so from the church are uh, touring Israel and all of that area right now, and they're having a good time. But uh, So he asked if I could bring the word today, and I was so glad that I could. If we haven't met, my name is Russell. I'm one of the staff pastors here. Uh, just to introduce you a little bit so you kind of know who I am, my wife is down here on the front. If you've been here for a little bit, you've seen her lead worship with us. Uh, my youngest son was Aaron that was leading worship today. Uh, and then my daughter, Leah, if you have, any, if you have a, a little kiddo that's four years old or younger, then they've probably been taught by my daughter, Leah, over in O-Town. And so that's kind of my family around here. And if we haven't met, I'd love to get the chance to meet you. Uh, if you were watching online today, we're so glad that you've, uh, that you've logged on or tuned in or what, whatever you've done here. So um, we're so glad to have you today. Um, today... Well, let me back up. Through the month of October, we have been talking about, um, in a small series called The Book of Prayers, and kind of walking through just some prayers in the Bible. And if you remember the first week of October, Pastor uh, led us through just a message called Teach Us to Pray, and, and was just all about the need for prayer and, and how to enter into a prayer life. And then the second week of October, uh, we talked about the Lord's Prayer. And if you were here, then, uh, then you remember, I'm starting to get a little ringing up here. I don't know uh, if I need to move around or what. But uh, uh, if you remember, Pastor talked us through the, the Lord's Prayer. And if you were here, that's the week that we stood up like 28 times to pray for different things. So uh, that was a fun time. And then last week, we talked about uh, the prayer of Jabez. And many of you may remember when that was kind of a big deal back 20 years or so ago, and Pastor just kind of walked us through that again. So some really great prayers in the Bible, and, and there are so many. I mean, we could spend a whole year on, on prayers in the Bible and, and walking through those. So I encourage you to find, find all those prayers because they're, they're not just prayers for that time, but they're things that you can pray over yourself, pray over your family, uh, some, some wonderful things. So we're going to finish this up today. Um, we're going to look at, if you want to turn in your Bibles or your iPads or your phones, wherever uh, you read your word, um, to 2 Kings chapter 6, and we're going to start in around verse 12 or 13, if you want to kind of put your finger there. But this is a, a prayer that for a lot of people may not seem that significant. It's kind of one of those that you might just gloss over and not realize it's, it's there. It's not, doesn't use any fancy $5 words. It's just kind of a, a little short sentence prayer. But how many know, how many have ever been the recipient maybe of someone that just felt like the Lord had laid a word on their heart or, or somebody came to pray for you and it wasn't anything earth shattering. It was just maybe a short little prayer, but man, it hit you right where it needed to hit you or it, it spoke to you exactly what you needed to hear at that moment. And it might have been something that, you know, that everyone else may not realize, may not think anything about it, but when it is for you, when it hits you right where it needs to, then the whole world stops. 
And that's, that's what we're going to look at today. So, so first of all, let me encourage you to not despise those little, those little promptings and those little words that maybe you hear from the Lord to go pray for somebody or go speak to someone. Maybe you're like, you know, I, there's, nothing not, there's nothing fancy about that. There's nothing super spiritual about what I think I'm supposed to say. Well, it may not be anything super spiritual, but it might need to be what they need to hear at that time. So let me encourage you when you, when you feel a prayer or feel a word like that, to, to not be afraid to step out and speak that. Second, Second Kings chapter 6, let me lay the groundwork here for you for just a little bit. Um, there are two key players in this drama. Uh, there is the king of Aram, and Aram was an enemy nation to the, to the kingdom of Israel. And then on the Israel side, we have the prophet Elisha. Uh, Elisha, if you remember, was the, the successor to the prophet Elijah. And then now Elisha is the main prophet over Israel. And so the king of Aram was in his chambers, in his war room with his generals, plotting to attack Israel. And so they would say, okay, now on such and such a day, at such and such a time, we're going to take so many troops and we're going to go to this place and we're going to attack Israel and, and catch them off guard and kill every one of them. So they would make these plans for war. Well, God, how many knows God is omniscient? That means he, he's all-knowing. How many know God is omnipresent? That means he's everywhere at the same time. So God being the omniscient, omnipresent God that he is, heard these plans and so he would go and tell Elisha, the prophet. How many know it's, it's good to have somebody that's listening to the Lord when, when God needs to tell you something? And so God would tell Elisha, hey, the king of Aram, that's how God speaks. He says, hey, that's, that's what he says. Um, he would say the king of Aram is going to attack Israel on such and such a day at such and such a time. They're going to bring all these troops. So you need to go tell the king of Israel to get out of Dodge. And so he would go tell him, and the, and the king of Israel would, would pull his troops away. And so the king of Aram and, his, and the, the enemies would, would go to attack, and there's nobody there. There's no one to attack. And this happened several times. The king, would make his, the king of Aram would make his plans. Elisha, or God would tell Elisha. Elisha would tell the king, and there would be nothing, nothing to do. So finally, the king's like in his, in his chambers, in his war room with his generals, and he, he's having a come-to-Jesus meeting. There wasn't even Jesus at this time, but he's having a come-to-Jesus meeting, okay? And he's, he's saying, look, one of you guys is a traitor. One of you guys is going and leaking intel to the king of Israel, and I want to know right now who it is. And one of his generals, in all his wisdom, I don't know how he knew this, but he said, king, it's, it's not us. It's this, the God of Israel tells Elisha, their prophet, and so they, they're gone before we even get a chance to attack. So King says, okay, we've got to go find Elisha and, and, and nip this in the bud. So this is where we're at. Uh, verse 12, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 12. So this is what I just said. He said, it's not us, my lord, the king. One of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Verse 13, Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him 
and the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. Verse 15, when the servant of the man of God, so this is now the servant of Elisha, when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops and horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Verse 16, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your anointing upon it. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me as I, as I preach what you have given me today, and I pray that you would open up every ear to hear and to receive. Lord, I pray that you would, you would speak to our hearts and change our lives today in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Elisha, so the servant walks out and says, all he sees, the Bible says, everywhere was horses and chariots and troops. So I want you to notice what the servant saw. Everywhere he looked, he looked to his right, he looked to his left, everywhere he saw was troops and horses and chariots. But Elisha said, don't be afraid, there is more on our side than what is on theirs. So there had to be something that Elisha was seeing that the servant couldn't see. Elisha was able to see into the, into the spiritual, into the supernatural. I don't know what kind of background you come from, um, what kind of uh, teachings you grew up with, but I believe with all my heart that there is a spiritual, a supernatural activity that we, that we don't see with our natural eyes. The Bible tells us that we don't war when we're warring, when we're, when we're struggling. We're not battling against our coworker. We're not battling against our boss or this or that. We're actually battling with spiritual forces that are, that are against us. And so there's a spiritual aspect that, that most of the time, unless God gives us special insight, we don't, we don't normally see. But this is what Elisha was seeing. Elisha was seeing something that was greater than what the servant was seeing. And so Elisha prayed this short little prayer for his servant. Nine words, nothing fancy. All he said was, Lord, open, my, open his eyes and let him see. And the Bible says that at that moment, the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. So Elisha was praying. We'll get to this a little bit more here in a little bit. Elisha was praying a prayer of revelation. Revelation, you know, we have a whole book of the Bible uh, for, this, for this word, but revelation is defined as something that is secret or previously unknown. But when Elisha prayed this prayer, he's praying for a servant to have revelation. And so when he did, now the servant can see what Elisha is seeing. He's seeing the heavenly horses. He's seeing the heavenly chariots, the heavenly angels because of one simple prayer. Because of one simple prayer, the servant's vision changed. It went from being natural to supernatural. 
Because of one simple prayer, the servant's understanding changed. Because of one simple prayer, the servant's attitude changed. How many know that, that when you've got something that's coming against you and coming against you, if you could see all the forces of heaven that were, that were working on your behalf, I think your attitude would change. You would go from fear to faith. You would go from worry to, to, to worship and victory when, you're, when you can see what the Lord is really doing. And that's what Elisha did when he prayed for his servant. So I want to look at three things today quickly about this short, little, simple prayer. Number one, this, this speaks to me um, tremendously, but prayer doesn't have to look or sound or feel a certain way for God to work. Prayer does not have to doesn't have to have a certain posture. You don't have to be on one knee. You don't have to do the T-bow. You don't have to, you don't have to cross your fingers. You don't have to shout. You don't have to whisper. You don't have to run. You don't have to... Prayer, God is not looking for posture. God is not looking for volume when it comes to our prayer. Um, prayer doesn't have to be a bunch of, a bunch of $5 words, you know, that, that we have to look up a dictionary to figure out what is this guy praying about. For me, the reason this speaks to me so much is I'm, I'm a simple guy. Um, I don't, I'm not a real impromptu kind of guy. I don't think on my feet very well, just being open and honest here. And so I, I struggled for a long time when I knew that I wanted to go into ministry. Even when I, when I was already in ministry for a while, I struggled because I would see my pastor or these these big preachers praying all these big fancy prayers kind of on the fly. And I'm like, man, I can never be a good minister because I can't, I can't pray those words. Those, I don't know those words and I don't think quickly like that. I'm kind of like, okay, secular reference here. I'm kind of like George Costanza, if you know, what I'm, if you know my reference here. There's, a, there's an episode in Seinfeld, and I didn't watch a lot of Seinfeld, but there's an episode where George was in a staff meeting and his, his co-worker in the staff meeting insulted him. And he had nothing. He had no comeback. And so he's like stewing over it on the drive home. He's like, oh, I should have said that. And so he got it all set up. And the next day he was going to go into a staff meeting and, and set up everything the exact same way so his co-worker would throw the same insult and then he would have his comeback. Well, then the co-worker is transferred to another company. And so he tracks the guy down across the country to get a job in the, in the new company where the co-worker's at, sets everything up exactly the same. The co-worker gives him his insult and he's got his comeback. But the other co-worker shoots another one right back and he's like, Oh, I got nothing again. That's, that's me, okay? I, I don't think on the fly. So if you want to ever get in an argument with me, you're going to win because I got nothing. That, that's, why, that's why I don't argue with my wife because she's going to win, okay? I'm, I'm just like, yeah, I, don't, I, I got nothing. Um, but, but this speaks to me so much because, because I don't have to come up with this big fancy thing to say. I can just say, Lord, I need your help right now. Or, Lord, touch, touch my brother who's struggling right now. 
And God hears that just as much as he said, just as he hears, I beseech thee, O Father of heaven and earth, to, to come down and smite thine enemy. God doesn't care about that. He wants, he wants your genuine faith-filled prayer. So, so let me show you a couple of ingredients that I've found in Scripture that, that really all, is all God is looking for when it comes to prayer. Ingredient number one, when it comes to our prayer life, is found in James 5, 16, very common passage of Scripture that says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Let me say that again. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The key word there is righteous. What does that mean? That means you have to be saved. Maybe if you're here and you're still kind of struggling, do I do, I do this Christian thing or not? You may be thinking, well, that kind of sounds a little exclusive. Well, it is. The Bible tells us that, that when we're not saved, when we're not covered in the blood of Jesus, when we haven't come to him for forgiveness, that God can't, can't look upon us because because we are unrighteous, because we are covered in our sin. But when we come to the, to the simple act of believing in Jesus, repenting of our sin, asking him to forgive us and wash us clean, the Bible says that now God sees us as righteous, that God sees us as, as pure and holy, not because of anything we've done, but because the blood of Jesus has covered us. And that's all salvation is, is just saying, Lord, wash me in your blood, cleanse me, I'm sorry, I forgive, forgive me of my sins, and now God completely sees you as righteous. He sees you just as he sees Jesus. And so the first ingredient to having our prayer answered is you have to be saved. And then we go into our next ingredient, Hebrews eleven six, another popular passage of scripture that says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and then he re re rewards those who earnestly seek him. I like the way the message puts it. I don't read the message a whole lot, but I like this, uh, the way they say it. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. So when you're coming to God in prayer, God wants, God looks upon the heart of the righteous but then he looks upon the heart of faith. He looks upon the one that, that believes in God, that believes he exists, believes he has power to do whatever we come to ask, and believes that he wants to. How many know God has all power? And when we come to him in prayer, God is looking for someone that believes that he has the power to do it and that he wants to do that in our life. Now, I don't... I can't get into the whole, well, why does, you know, Johnny's prayer get answered immediately, and why does my prayer, I've been praying for it for five years, and it still hasn't done, I, I don't know the answer to that. I wish I did. That's not, that's, that's a, a little bit above my pay grade, I guess, but, but God is God, and he works things differently, but one thing I do know is that God moves on the heart of the faithful, and God moves in the prayers of the faithful, and so when we come to God in prayer, God's not looking for a fancy words, fancy posture. He's looking for the, the faithful prayer of the righteous, and that produces much power. Number two, so we already mentioned this just briefly, but the prayer of Elisha was a prayer of revelation. 
And again, let me just say that definition again. Revelation is the making known of something that was previously secret or unknown. This one sentence, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And immediately, the Bible tells us, the servant saw a different way. He understood something different. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament talks about the things of God being like a mystery. And it's things that that we can't understand until we come into contact with Jesus. And Jesus begins to illuminate these things to us. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17... Paul is praying for the church of Ephesus. And he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us to believe. So Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus, and he's praying that they would have enlightened eyes. What's enlightened eyes? That's, That's a fancy word for saying revelation. So he's praying that they would have revelation to know God better. He's praying that they would have revelation to know and to be confident in their calling What are they called to do? He's praying that they would have revelation to know who they are in Christ. That's that's their identity. He's praying that they would have revelation to know and understand God's great power. How many know if you prayed for those things on a daily basis, and if you had somebody praying for you for those things on a daily basis, you're going to be an awesome Christian. You're going to be able to, to, to do some awesome things if you know who you are in Christ, if you know what your calling is, if you know the awesome power of God you're going to be unstoppable. And so that's what Paul was praying for the Ephesian church. There's many times that, that uh, we see this revelation idea in Scripture. Let me just read you a few quickly, uh, a few Scriptures here. Luke 24, 45 says, Then he opened their minds so that he could understand the Scriptures. And I want you to start listening for key words in here. Open their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. Verse, uh, Acts 26, 18 says to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. And 2 Corinthians 3, 14 and 16 says, But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, their salvation, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So did you notice some of those key words? um, Luke 24, their minds were open so they could understand. Um, Acts 26, open their eyes and turn from darkness to light. How many know it's a lot easier to see in light than it is darkness? And so they're making physical uh, comparisons to the spiritual world. Uh, So remember, all these things are, we're talking about spiritual revelation here, spiritual sight. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't see the light. And then 2 Corinthians 3, 14 and 16, their minds were made dull because there is a veil that remains when the old covenant is read. 
But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Veil's kind of a weird word for today, but basically that's a, a blindfold. And so when you are, first of all, when you're not saved, but, but as, we, as we are young and, and, and um, immature in Christ, it's like we have this spiritual blindfold over our eyes that we can't, that we can't see fully the things that God has for us. And it's, and it's up to us to grow and to know God more. And as we know God more, that blindfold, that veil is taken away. And that's what revelation is. Peter talks about um, the people of God going from darkness into light. So revelation is that making known, that, that revealing that mystery that, that previously has been hidden or, or secret. So we, we talked about the what revelation is but let's talk about how do we get it and uh, this is my last point here how do we get revelation revelation is something that we need on a daily basis but how do we get it well the bible tells us in ephesians 1 17 we already read this once paul prayed that the ephesians would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation Revelation is a direct result of being filled with the Spirit. The more you're filled with the Spirit of God, the more God is going to remove those blinders, remove that veil. Isaiah 11:2 says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear. John 14, 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything. And Acts 6.10 says, but they could not stand up against the wisdom that the Spirit gave him as he spoke. You want revelation? You want to know the heart of God? You want to see the things of the Spirit? You want to, you want to know the voice of the Lord more clearly? You want to experience more of his power? Then you need to be filled with the Spirit of God on a daily basis. Now, again, I don't know where everyone came from, and, and I know we get calls of people thinking about trying out our church, and they come to the, that word Pentecostal, and that freaks them out a little bit because, because they think that we just go around talking to each other in weird languages, and they think that we roll up and down the floors and swing from the chandeliers and all these things. And so that, that freaks them out a little bit. And I'm not talking about here... I'm going to get in, I don't want to get in trouble, but, but can I just say, I think in, sometimes in the Pentecostal circles, if you've been around that for a long time, we get ourselves in trouble because, because we've put, we've put the, the exterior manifestations above the, the process of being filled with the Spirit. And, and if, and we, many times, sometimes I've heard it outright, and sometimes we imply it, but we'll say, you know, you, you demonstrated all these spiritual gifts, so you got filled with the Spirit. You didn't demonstrate these spiritual gifts, so you didn't get filled with the Spirit. Well, stinks to be you, better luck next time. And so we put all these things, well, and, and that was me growing up. Um, I guess it's just confession time for me today, but but that was me. I can remember times at youth camp and, and different times when I was 12, 13 years old, tearing at the altar, spending 
spending one, one and a half, two hours at the altar, bawling my eyes out, saying, God, fill me with the Spirit, where, where my friend, you know, a couple people down at the altar came and, and left within five minutes, and he's speaking in tongues and all this, and, and I'm like, God, why didn't you ever fill me with the Spirit? Well, again, I, don't, I can't speak for God, but I know when I look back at it, I was focused more on trying to do the things and trying to accomplish these goals instead of just saying, God, I just need you and I just want you in my life today and letting God fill me how he wants to fill me. And so, so I think we need, to, we need to come to a place where we're just saying, God, I just need you today. And however you want to move in my life, whatever you want me to exhibit, whatever you want me to demonstrate, I'm going to leave that up to you. But I just need you and not worry about what we're supposed to do when we, when we get to those, to those points. And so that's what revelation is. Revelation is just saying, God, I need you today. Reve- young people, I've got this, I've got a subject in school. I've got this math. I've got this chemistry that I'm I'm giving it my all. I am trying to understand, and I'm just not getting it. God, I need revelation to help me understand this. I've got this, I've got this coworker that that's just been a thorn in my side, and I don't know how to get through to him. I don't know how to bridge this relationship. God, I need your revelation to know how to speak to him or her. I've got this project that, that I've got a deadline, and it's still got me stumped. I just can't, I can't figure out how to, how to fix this. God, I need your revelation. How I know God wants us to, exceed, to succeed in life. God wants us to, 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 to be good examples and good stewards of what he's given to us. And he's not going to put us in positions that he's just going to leave us high and dry and not be able to, to accomplish life. And so th- God wants us to come to him on a daily basis to be filled with the spirit and let him give us the knowledge and the wisdom that we need to accomplish our life and our, our goals in life. Revelation is not just a, uh, just a one-time deal. Lord, I need revelation. Okay, good. Just give it to me whenever you feel like you need to and, and go on. But it's something that he wants us to come to him on a continual basis. A couple more scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Exalt in his holy name. Rejoice you who worship the Lord. So we're speaking to believers here. Search for the Lord and for his strength and continually seek him. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. We know that scripture. We can, most of us can probably quote that. But, but the language there, scholars tell us, is not just ask one time and then go about your business. Don't just seek one time and go about your business. Don't just knock one time and go about your business. If you're like me, I hate going to people's doors. I just... I, you know, I, I just, I get, feel weird because I don't know who's coming. And so I'll, if I have to go knock on a door for whatever reason, I'm just like, doo doo, And then I'll wait for like two seconds. There, oh, nobody's home. And so I'll, then I'll go. That's not how God wants us to approach us. God wants us to knock and keep on knocking and keep on knocking. And tomorrow when we have, when we have another need, we need, we need to knock and keep on knocking. We need to ask and keep on asking. We need to seek and keep on seeking. Don't let... Don't let your life just be, just be, okay, I asked, and God's not doing it, so I guess he's not going to do it for me. No, come to God. Seek him. Ask him. He wants us to give us. The, the Bible talks about the spiritual gifts. Revelation and wisdom is one of those gifts. 
And, and a gift is just that. Gift is, a gift is something that another person wants to give. A gift is not something that is given begrudgingly. A gift is something that wants to be given. And God wants to give you wisdom. God wants to give you understanding. God wants to give you revelation. And he's looking for the faithful who will come and say, God, I need you today. I need your spirit. I can't do this in, in my own power. I can't do this in my own intelligence, but I need your spirit today. Amen? So today, the altar call is, is simple. I'm going to have the worship team come back out, and we're going to sing and worship just a little bit longer. I had an awesome time of worship this morning, and I want to finish up today with a little bit more worship. But two things today. First of all, we, we talked about at the beginning that, that the Lord hears the prayer of the righteous, the saved, the ones who are, who are covered and, and walking in the blood of Jesus. And so today, if, if you're here and, and you've kind of been just like, yeah, I'm not still sure about this Christian thing, can I encourage you? Today is, an awesome, is a perfect time for you to just say, God, I still may not understand it fully, but I want to give my life to you, and I want you to take control and be the Lord of my life. Would you forgive me of sin? Would you cover me and cleanse me so that I can walk in your presence? And it's, it's that simple of a prayer. And so as we worship here in just a moment, and if that's you, I want to encourage you to pray that prayer. If you need help, um, you can come and find... Um, one of us pastors, you can come find me. Pastor Michael's down here on the front. Pastor uh, Mike is down here. We would love to pray with you for that. But if you need just salvation, if you need the freedom of Christ, I want to encourage you to make this the day for that. And the second thing is, if you are already saved and you already um, are, are walking with the Lord, but maybe one of those things that I, that I said ring a bell. Maybe you've got this situation or maybe you've got this, this thing at school or this thing at work that you're just like, I don't know how to get past it. Or I just, I have these, I, the enemy is attacking me and all I can see is what, what my physical eyes can see and I need, to, I need some revelation. I need some wisdom to know how to get through this. The Lord wants to give you that revelation. So as we begin to worship, as we begin to, to make this a place of prayer, I want to encourage you, you can stand, you can kneel, you can come to the altar. I'm not going to give any stipulations today, but, but make this, these next few moments, a time of seeking the Lord, continuously seeking, continuously knocking. Maybe, maybe there's something that you've been asking about. Ask again. Let the Lord begin to give you that revelation, begin to fill you with that wisdom today. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we come to you in this moment. Lord, we ask that as we spend these next few moments just in worship, in seeking you, Lord, would you pour out new revelation? Would you pour out fresh wisdom, fresh understanding? Lord, help us to know you more. For those that maybe are struggling in their faith, God, I pray that this would be the moment that they, that they give themselves to you and make you the Lord of their life. Lord, come and have your way. Fill this place with your presence. Lord, we need you today. And so, Lord, we come and ask that you would fill us as we worship today. Amen. Let's, let's make this place a place of worship.